We're here to discuss all of the latest news for the first week of June 2022. I'm your co-host, Quentin Phillips, and, and to help break down all of the latest trends or stories, mostly focused on film, we have Tristan. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you doing? I've been doing pretty great. I think, you know, I've been watching some pretty awesome films the last week or so. Uh, and then obviously, uh, you, as you would know, we had the bachelor party two weeks ago. So that was exciting. So you know what? It's been yeah. a pretty good two weeks. That's good, man. That's good. How about you? Uh, anything crazy going on with you or just same old, same old? Nothing too crazy. Same old, same old. Still working. Still watching lots of movies. Uh, that's pretty much it. I guess the big story for us, at least, you know, I'm sure there's most people are talking about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard result in the trial or whatever. But, you know, the big news for like, yeah, yeah. Who cares? Really? Like, is it, I don't know. That was like a month ago news. Like, let's get over this. But it's you know what? So yeah. I, I honestly, I've never cared. Everything I know about that trial, I've learned against my will. I, I do not. care. Yeah. Um. Honestly, that's the main issue of trials for me. Is it, it takes too long. I lose interest by the time it's over. I don't know. I'm, well, this trial took a long time for, for the, what it was. Right. Um, this one just didn't really feel like too important of a trial to me in general. Yeah. Like, they I, both yeah. seem like fairly bad individuals. Yeah, that's what I thought, like, honestly. Either one of them. And so I uh, don't really care how that one played out. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought of it, too. Like, you know, I don't think either of them are great people, so whatever the result was, whatever. I don't care. I think we have enough indisputable evidence that they are both not very good people. Yeah, yeah, I think we can, can agree on that one. But, you know, um, my, my coworkers were very into it. Uh, they all ignored the phone calls we had to take during work to uh, pay attention to the live stream of the results of the case. What was it, two days ago? I, I, don't, I don't remember. I believe it was two days ago. Yeah, of the time we're recording this, you know, by the time yeah, it's out, like yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, you know, might it might be uh, old, you know, feel like forever ago by the time this is out, but yeah, you know, feels like forever ago now. So I guess that's just how the trials go. But you know, the real piece of news that we care about, and really uh, the news that movie lovers should care, is a uh, Top Gun Maverick, Tristan, sweeping the nation. Yeah, really was sweeping. For those that listen to our pop topic episode where we made our predictions our bold cases on what the summer blockbusters were going to be uh, i think it's safe to say we're only one month in of this four month summer blockbuster yeah i, 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 I think tristan's looking pretty good i i'm feeling well honestly i think i might have should have put it i put it fifth which you you call me great you you thought there was no way yeah, i thought fifth, fifth i thought fifth was too high summer. and now yeah and I agree with you. I, at this point, agree with you. I don't think this is going to be the fifth highest grossing movie of the summer. There's no way. This is top three easily of the Easy. summer. It could very well be top three of the year. Yeah. Uh, well, it might be hard to crack the three because the three really does feel like it's the two Marvels and Jurassic World. But really, we will know in a week or I guess by the, t- the next time we do this podcast, Justin, we will know if Top Gun is going to be better than Jurassic World Box office-wise, obviously, film-wise, there's no way Jurassic World, in my mind, will even come close to this film. But box office-wise, we will know in a few weeks, next time we do this podcast, if that's the case. Uh, yeah, it's very well either the third is going to be in the top three, or it's definitely going to be number four. Like, there's no chance any other movie is going to come close. This is this will be up there with the actual superhero movies. So that's exciting. 
Yeah, oh, this is going to go neck and neck with the, um, even Marvel, I think this is going to give it a run for its money, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's looking great right now, and rightfully so. This film is awesome. It's probably going to be the best film of the summer. Like, it's, it's, it, was, it was fantastic. For those that haven't it's, seen it, you need to check it out. It's absolutely phenomenal. Blew me away. It, everyone, who, I've, I haven't seen a single person who's watched it and said they didn't like it. Uh, not online, not in real life. And, and when was the last time you've ever seen a movie that everyone just seems to at least enjoy? Whether they love it, they thought it was very good, they just thought it was good. I haven't seen anyone dislike this film. And I don't really know what you could dislike about it. It's pretty much a movie I think most people are going to find something to enjoy in. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Did you, did you watch it in IMAX, or did you just watch in like the regular seating? Yeah, so we don't have an IMAX theater where I am. Yeah. So in order for me to watch a movie in IMAX, I do have to head down to, to Kingston or, or Toronto or somewhere, somewhere close by. So I actually didn't see this on IMAX. I saw it at the theater here where I'm from. So I, I watched it on the regular screen, but uh, still, still very good. Still, still blew me away for sure. Yeah, I, I probably should have watched it on IMAX, but the IMAX is in the Scotiabank Theater, uh, which nobody knows what that means. But it, it's in the theater that's a lot further away from me. It's like an extra ten minute drive. I don't There's know. No, Scotiabank theaters are always in malls. I find. I'm not okay. Sure well, then, yeah, yeah, it's in the West Edmonton Mall here in Edmonton. But I did see it in Ultra AVX with Atmos, and I think oh, the okay. yeah, yeah, that's basically the same or just as good. Right, and I thought the Atmos was incredible. Yeah, that's the thing I honestly when I watch an IMAX, the visuals be fantastic, but the audio is what I would want to hear in IMAX or an Atmos. I would want to see that in the the best audio quality possible. Man, those freaking jets when they started flying, the whole seat would vibrate just with the freaking subwoofer. Was that was that how it was for you as well? Well, also, so my seat were for sure vibrating, but I was also in the same theater that had the four D, like the 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 the, the D. What do they call that? They want your seats move. D box. You know what I mean? So I don't D box. That's I knew it was D something. Um, I've never actually done it myself. I've never done a D box uh, before. Uh, but we were pretty much like across the aisle from where me and my brother were sitting, or our other brother was where the D box seats were. So my seat was for sure vibrating throughout all the action scenes. I don't know if it was just the audio or if it was also the D box seats moving a couple feet away from me. Probably a mix of both. Yeah. Well. I guess I was in a theater with the D box as well, but I was a few rows, a few rows away you from probably it. Probably want to feel them, yeah. Um, but I don't know if it was because it was the Atmos, but my seat was shaking. Like every time the jets were starting up, like my seat was like it felt like I was in the jet. Like it was amazing. And so you also watched the first one this week, right? Because you haven't seen the first one prior. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched the first one before watching the the original. Or sorry, I watched the first one before watching the new one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what did you think of the first one? Uh, I, th- I thought it was a pretty fun flick. I thought it was pretty good. I honestly think it's better now that I've seen the second one. I think it really makes it feel like the perfect double feature for both of these films. And so because Maverick is just so good, it actually makes me look at the first one and go, you know what? The first one's pretty dang great as well. Even though I th- when I first watched it, I thought, yeah, it, it was pretty good. It's, it's not my thing, but it was pretty good. Uh, now, now, I, now I think it's pretty fun, actually. I, I like it a lot. I plan to revisit the original soon, uh, and I wonder if I'll like it more. I, I enjoyed the first one quite a bit. It's my second time I watched it. I also rewatched it this week prior to go seeing Maverick. So it's been a couple of years since I watched it the first time, and I think the first one's a very good movie. It's not as a um, nuts about action as maybe a lot of people would think going into it. You know what I mean? For the classic yeah. 80s action film, more a... Um, more grounded, more real, you know, it took a more real, I guess, realistic approach of some sort, a uh, more character-driven 
And I, I really I really enjoyed it a lot. I think my biggest issue with the, with the very first one at least was the very very ending when they go to go to fight the, after they all graduate. Spoiler alert for a forty year old movie. <laughs> yeah. um, after they graduate, they you know, and then they have the whole mission at the end where they got to go fight those other two fighter jets. That feels real tacked on. They just wanted an action scene at the end of it because nothing led up to that. Everyone's looking up to the graduation, who's going to be top of the class, and then they sort of oh. Now we want to close it out with an action scene because obviously a graduation ceremony isn't too action-packed right. most of the time anyways. Honestly, the very, very ending is kind of the only thing that kind of feels a little lackluster to me. Unlike Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick from start to finish. Lots of action. Great characters. I really, really enjoyed this one. This is, a, uh, this is what blockbusters are about. And it was weird because it feels like just like last podcast or maybe two podcasts ago when Dominion were sitting here talking about how great The Northman was. Now this is one of the best action movies we've seen forever. This is what all action movies should be like. And typically, we don't really care for action. And here we are, only a few weeks out from that, once again, gushing about how much we love an action movie, this great big blockbuster action film. And, it, you know, I really think a, uh, the past 10, 20 years have done action as a genre a disservice, because I think this year has proven that action movies are just as great as dramas or comedies or horrors or any other, you know, animation, any other genre, uh, if they're done right, if they're done the right way, whether it's a historic epic like Northman or this, you know, this real, this, this, grounded story like Top Gun Maverick where these, these characters and these people and their relationships with one another and their relationships with the military and, and the job and it's a uh, I think it's a very interesting story I think it's a very good movie yeah I think what makes both the Top Gun films really really good well you know especially Maverick but like the first one is really solid as well uh, what makes them both work at least for me because I you know I'm famously not like a huge action guy until maybe this year because this year has really convinced me but both these movies, action's not the main goal. The main goal is to really get to know and love a lot of these characters. So it's really not contained by one genre. Obviously, action is a big part of it because it is about fighter jets up in the sky. But especially the first one, I, I got a lot of John Hughes vibes from it when I was watching this. I thought, oh yeah, this is a total 80s flick. Like This has like the same boppy music. It's got this great score, like it's, and it's got this romantic storyline. I mean, 80s movies in general are probably some of the most... Uh, any decade that's super identifiable just watching a movie, it's got to be the 80s, right? Yeah. There's a lot of tropes reoccurring through 80s films, and Top Gun, the original one, is for sure an 80s flick. Um, but yeah, it really is sort of like a mashup of a... Uh, it's an action movie, sure, but it's also it's just sort of like a relationship drama, I guess, or if you even want to call it a drama, I don't know. It most definitely is more grounded action film rather than for sure you know the fast and furious films or the mission impossible movies that we've been getting that are just nuts about action all the time explosions pew pew pow and you know the the plot so to say is just there to move from one action set to the next action set where here it really feels like the action sets are here to move the plot along from one plot point to the next plot point and it's much more organic and it feels more natural and it's more enjoyable to watch quite frankly because it doesn't just feel like it's an excuse for people to shoot at one another, followed by an excuse for people to race, followed by an excuse for things to blow up. It's more so these are people, and this is why they're doing this, and it's, it's, it feels more natural, is, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, and what makes Top Gun Maverick work really well, and I think the title fits it perfectly, uh, and I believe, I, I listened to a few interviews with the director, and he even said the name Top Gun Maverick, they picked that name because this is a character study on Maverick. Like, you know, this isn't really a sequel. It's not Top Gun 2. It's Top Gun Maverick. We are going to be analyzing this character of the events that happened in the first film. And I think that title fits it perfectly because this really does feel like a perfect character study on kind of this American hero, 
this great action star from the movie Top Gun that you know everyone remembers from the 1980s. And I think it's awesome. I think it is so great to have this reflective piece, kind of like, you know, I think everybody compares any reflective blockbuster to Logan, but, you know, kind of similar to that, where you look at such an iconic character from a well-regarded film or franchise, and you just kind of study how their life has ended in this way. You know, with age and with everything, I just think Maverick, you know, he was a fun character in the first movie. But by the time you finish the second film, he's not a fun character anymore. He's a fantastic character. Yeah, for sure. He, he At the beginning, he's very much, much like the original Top Gun movie, a character, a man that was stuck back in the 80s, back in the past. And we saw, you know, this sort of past catch up with him. And we started hearing clues and information about what's happened since we originally saw Maverick in the first Top Gun movie. And we kind of meet people he's met throughout the way and meet some of the original people, or at least just... I don't want to spoil anything, I guess. Some original people from the original movies and all that stuff. It really does dive deeper and deeper into the psyche of this this war hero. This, you know, the, the all-American man. What happens when he gets old? What happens when he's washed up? He's still a captain after all these years, right? Because although the thing everyone loves about Maverick in the first one was his rambunctious nature. He is a Maverick, right? That's, the, that's his nickname for a reason. He doesn't really follow the rules, plays by his own rules, much like normal American heroes. But... When you think about it, the military isn't going to treat those kind of people very well. And that's what we've seen here 40 years later. He hasn't really moved on from there. He's still sort of the recluse a, uh, action war hero that from his early years, still trying to, trying to, trying to ride off that glory from his, his big son at Top Gun School. Yeah, I think this film was really, really great. And uh, what was it? Two hours and 20 minutes? Like the runtime just flies by. I guess maybe it's because, you know, being in the movie theater really helps. But I'm doing something that I haven't done in maybe 10 years, I think. I think it's been that long since I have done this. But I, I'm going to see this a second time in theaters, which I never do. You haven't seen a movie a second time in theaters in 10 years? I think the, I think the last time I did that was Percy Jackson. Uh, way back, when did that come out? You expect me to remember... When Percy Jackson got released? I don't know, probably <laughs> 10 years ago. 2012, that makes sense. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so, so we're around maybe. And Quentin, it's called The Lightning Thief. Actually. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, The Lightning Thief, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I never do that. And even films like The Green Knight or Everything Everywhere All at Once, where I walked out of the theater experience going, that was fucking amazing. I love this movie. I never saw it for a second time in theaters. I think what makes this movie make me want to do this is because it's, you know, the Atmos, the seats shaking. And when I left the theater, I was just looking at everybody. Everybody was stoked. Everybody was pumped. Like, I've never seen a crowd just so fucking happy. You know, I guess, like, there's other movies that people were like that, like Spider-Man No Way Home, but I wasn't happy. But I feel like I'm with the, like, you know, uh, this is the first time I'm happy with the crowd, Tristan. Like, we're all pumped. I'm, like, going up to some random kids being like, yeah, fucking Top Gun, baby. Like, oh, it was awesome. It was it was fantastic. It was really. But I man, I saw Batman twice in theaters. That's just this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I go see it not too often. I don't right. Know, but for big big action adventure films like this one or the Batman or Doom, those are the kind of ones I, I sometimes do go back for a second viewing just because you know it's never going to be as good to watch it again on your TV. They're yeah. Just not. They're the kind of movies you want to see on the big screen if you have the chance. And I, uh, I might go check this one out. I haven't really thought about it. It's, it is that good. It's certainly that good. Yeah. Maybe those two would have been the same thing with for me with Dune and Batman, but I watched both of those 
with like all my friends, like everybody that would want to see it with. I saw it with the first time. This time yeah. I watched it just with my buddy Austin. It was just uh, me, him, and his girlfriend, and, and that was it. It was just the three of us. And that, like I still I think I went to go watch them by myself both times. <laughs> okay. I don't have friends. Like yeah. So now like I want to see this with other friends. Like I want them to see this movie because it's just, I, I just think everybody will love it. So you know m- yeah. maybe that was it too. But speaking about so actually speaking about friends watching this one, even like this movie has hit a cultural zeitgeist that a lot of movies don't have, and that's why I think it's. I don't think it's out of the question to see this one surpass even some Marvel movies this year. Yeah. I, I don't think that's out of the question, especially how we just heard today that it come out that it only dropped 33% in its second week. Mm-hmm. A 33% drop on a $150 million opening just doesn't happen. Like, that's incredible numbers for it to retain a 33%, or I mean, have a 33% drop, retain 77% of its original growth going into the second week. Those are insane numbers. Looking at this, the, the box office numbers, Dan Merle, I think we've talked about him before, has a great breakdown of all the box office every week. He's also highlighted how a lot of people going to go see this one is that, you know, 35 to 60 demographic. And that's the kind of demographic that's been really slow at coming out uh, to watch movies after, after the pandemic. It's really been, been the 18 to 25-year-old market that's been dominating post-pandemic theater runs. But this is the first one that's really captured that older audience, that more mature audience that typically movies that capture that audience have better legs. They go a little further. They last a little longer in the theaters. They, you know, so you don't get these massive openings. This one had that massive opening, and it's proving it has legs. And it has an A-plus cinema score, which is another indicator of a movie that has legs. You have an A cinema score, you typically have a good run in box office. If you have an A-plus cinema score, you typically have a very long and very great run at box office. And so this has all the signals going forward. It's going to be in here for a while, and it's going to be in the top five possibly the entirety of the summer or, or getting right into the, the later tail end of the summer before you finally see it drop out. This could be here for a while. And just some more anecdotal evidence, none of my friends are big movie buffs. This is why I go watch movies by myself all the time, as I already mentioned earlier. Uh, but even this movie, multiple of my friends have been messaging, man, have you seen this new Top Gun movie? This is my first time in theater since COVID, and I freaking loved it. I just went out and watched this movie with my family. We all loved it. This is hitting people watching this one, and my, my friends are in that 18 to 25 demographic, and this is still their first movie going back to theaters. This is kind of hitting that niche market that I think Marvel movies are missing. A lot of people are going to go see this movie that don't really care about the rest of the schluff coming out in the rest of summer. Uh, this is hitting that, that older, more mature audience, and this is going to be a huge moneymaker. Yeah, to build off of what you're saying, I work in an office, so most of the people I work with are older people, right? You know, most of them are like in their 30s, uh, and none of them have come up to me and been like, "Hey, Quitch, and I just saw the Batman." I, I don't hear that that often, but I had, I believe, three different people come up to me over the last few days saying, "Hey, Quentin, that Top Gun movie. Have you checked it out yet? It's awesome." And I just went, "Yes, I did. It was great." And we talked about it for a few minutes, and you know, it, yeah, it, this is finally doing something that no other movie has really been able to do the last few years, and it's able to kind of capture that audience again. Yeah, and it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 99% audience score with over 10,000 reviews. It holds a 99% audience score. The, the apps, I guess I haven't seen a single person, even, even online, and people online always, I haven't seen anybody say a single bad thing about this film. I haven't seen an overwhelmingly positive response to a movie of this size. We saw that with everything, everything all at once just earlier this year. Uh, even that was a super rare case to see that in an indie film with that kind of positive response. We're now seeing that on a major blockbuster, a huge film that everyone's universally loved. 
it just doesn't happen. <laughs> Especially not, I didn't expect it to happen to a freaking Tom Cruise action movie, a Top Gun of all things. Never saw this come. Yeah, I'm going to be seeing this again later this week. I believe the day this is going to, this podcast is going to be out is going to be the name. I'm going to check it out for a second time. And then two days later, I'm going to be watching the new Jurassic World movie. So, you know, uh, this week I'm going to be watching two movies in the theaters. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully they're just as much fun. I hope so. I, I'm excited for Jurassic World. I don't care what the idiots on Letterboxd are saying. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> It's big dinosaurs eating people. How's that not going to be great? Come on. Well, you know, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom wasn't great. Fallen that was Kingdom the same thing. Well, Fallen Kingdom was pretty bad. I, I did not like Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about uh, a bit of the movie. Do you want to do like a little spoiler section, Trist? Yeah, I'm going to some spoilers. I'm, I'm yeah, so that. obviously, if you guys haven't seen the film yet, go check it out. It is an absolutely incredible movie experience. And it is good to go in pretty much as blind as you can. Uh, definitely check out the first one because it does have a lot of really great connections. You, yeah, you very much have to have seen the first one in order to like this one. And I really wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I thought it was going to be more of a standalone film. And to be fair, uh, I think you can just as much appreciate the film without watching the first movie. You will catch up fairly quickly. Uh, the first movie is good, but uh, you know, fairly basic, fairly simple. If you've seen action movies before, you kind of know how it's going to play out. This yeah. one's mostly you know you can catch up pretty quick yeah and they do like quick little flashbacks to kind of maybe give you a little backstory before they continue the scene not a way that's jarring but a way to maybe quickly summarize what this moment means to people that haven't seen it yet so yeah, i think people who yeah. haven't seen the first one since it came out you know what yeah. i mean for 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 people who watched top gun map or the original top gun back in the 80s or about you know 10 15 years ago whatever they watched it I don't think they expect most people to rewatch it like we did prior. To <laughs> yeah, you know, most people are normal Trist, and they just just watch movies all the time. Yeah, they actually have lives. Yeah. So I think you're able to watch it without watching the first movie, but I think you definitely should, just because I don't know if it's going to be as meaningful or maybe as incredible if you don't quickly just get caught up on the original film. And but plus, you know, it's a good point. If you did grow up with the original one like you watch it back in the 80s when it came out and 40 years later you're watching this one i think this one will probably be even more meaningful. oh yeah yeah if this was like a character that you grew up with or a character you remember idolizing when you were a child or this was your action hero that you're watching on screen go through this much more difficult and emotional journey in the second one here yeah yeah i can't even imagine growing up with that first film and then watching this because i i watched the first movie the night before i watched the second movie yeah is not very much action guys and so we didn't really grow up with many just straight action films typically more fantasy action movies or you know superhero action movies that kind of stuff rather than the straight you know shooting gun action movies never really watched this one as a kid so i have no nostalgia for it no Um, none and even i absolutely connected and and loved the second yeah i have grown up with this character for a total of 24 hours before i saw the second movie so i can't even imagine having this as part of your life and you know not you know, not 24 hours, but maybe 24 years uh, crazy to have that much of a connection to this character, because I think the second film does it with so much justice. Uh, I only saw the film 24 hours before I watched the sequel, and I still, I don't know about you, Tristan, I, I cried at the end of it. There were, there were some real touching yeah. moments, that's for sure. Top Gun Maverick got me. I, I think the film is incredible. Okay, so, did you it, want to talk about uh, yeah, spoilers in, about the movie? Yeah, I just want to talk about some of the scenes that I just thought were 
really, really good. So for those of you who haven't seen it, you know, you can maybe skip ahead by like five, ten minutes. I don't know how long we'll discuss it, but you know, or, or you can just quickly watch the film. You should go check it out. But uh, I, I kind of want to talk about the guy that no one's discussing right now. You know, the movie's called Maverick, so everyone keeps talking about Maverick. But I think Miles Teller as Rooster is equally as incredible. He absolutely crushed it. And um, moment, I recognize it was a guy from Whiplash. Yeah. Uh, well, that moment was actually in the car when Hayden told me, but I realized I recognized the guy. I just couldn't remember which Oh, one. really? Um, oh, yeah, I, 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 right when I saw his face, I went, oh my God, I know that man. Yeah. Where is he from? And I knew Hayden knew, because Hayden kind of mentioned it earlier. He said, oh, this guy from this movie is in the movie. And I, I wasn't really listening to that guy. Uh, <laughs> and so we got in the car, like, who was that guy in the guy? He was like, Whiplash. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he crushed it. He was amazing as as a rooster. But go ahead. What do we want to say about how fantastic? Well, well, going off what you said, I guess this is something I've just I've been doing lately, and maybe, and I'm really glad I am. And that's just not looking up the casts. Like I, I'm getting surprised yeah. by some of these cameos. Like Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere All at Once blew my fucking mind when that scene started. I went, oh shit, she's in this? No way. And then same thing happened with this one. I had no idea Miles Teller was. Yeah, stop watching trailers. You see, the surprises are way better. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. It's so much better. Yeah, I like watching teasers, but they don't really show you the cast, right? So it still works out pretty well for me. Because yeah, yeah. yeah, I had no idea Miles Teller was in this, and instantly I just went, "Oh shit! Okay, he's playing Goose's son. Yeah, this is gonna be fucking good. Like he's a good. A- they got a good actor." For and Goose's son, uh, was of course gonna be in this movie. Of course, he's gonna be a big character and. He had to be fantastic. He had to have a great story, a great actor playing him, and man, did they deliver. You know, he, he, him and Maverick's relationship was, was one of the strongest, really, you know, really the heart and soul of the film for a lot of it, I found. And they, um, he, he absolutely delivered. He stepped up to the plate tenfold. Yeah, I thought Rooster uh, was maybe my favorite character, you know, as great as Maverick was. The emotional beats with him were not only fantastic, but like felt really earned. Like he really looked like Yusuf's son. And like the the shitty mustache, the uh, <laughs> you know his, his mannerisms. Um, I, I believe the exact moment I realized, okay, this isn't just going to be a fun blockbuster. This is going to be a good blockbuster. Was when he was singing "Great Balls of Fire" on the piano. Yes. And he was out on the beach, and you heard the song and turned around. And yeah, and as soon, yeah. literally, as soon as that happened, I kind of went under my breath. Hell yeah, like, it was so good. Like, it was so touching. Just that moment right there. He, he had the same, like, he was lifting his head back. Miles Teller perfected that moment. And it was because of that moment I was completely invested in him and Maverick. I thought their relationship, possibly one of the best relationships I've seen in Film and for I really like how the of course Maverick and Rooster are going to have a history. Just him, the fact that Maverick, you know, mm-hmm. that Goose is is Rooster's father, and Maverick and Goose were of course wingmen back in the day. And it's questionable whether or not Maverick is responsible for Goose's unfortunate death. But then they added even more history that we that was off camera, things we've never seen in the movie, stuff that happened in that forty years. Because of course, stuff was going to happen in that forty years between the first one and Maverick. Of course, Maverick was going to reach out to Rooster uh, way before he was an adult. You know, he was almost like a father figure to him growing up because he grew up without a father. Yeah. Um, but then we, we, we learned throughout the film why the relationship so strained, what happened between the two of them. And we kind of see their relationship grow together. And they, as I mentioned, that was probably 
to me, the heart and soul of the film, probably the best parts of the film. Oh, easily. Were, were, were the scenes between Maverick and Rooster and the emotional segments about fatherhood and what it means to lose a father at a young age and to have a, a father-like figure, but then possibly lose him because you're trying to make your original father proud. And it was really multi-level and really well thought out and a lot more than I was expecting from a super top film. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, and I thought what made it so great is the slow progression of it, too. Like, they instantly have this feud, or I, maybe it's more of a one-sided feud. Maverick wants to reach out and be this father figure to him because he like, Goose was his best friend, like his only true friend that he could rely himself. on. 40 years later, yeah. no matter the evidence, he blames himself, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And so then to have his son, who actually hates him because he blames him for what happened, plus the other things regarding him, preventing him from going to flight school, so holding him back a couple of years, which makes sense for Maverick's character. He doesn't want him to fall for the same fate that what Goose had, and also Rooster's mother even asked him to. So there's so many things there, and he is okay with being the bad guy if it's what's best for Rooster. Rooster has no idea that his mom asked for that. It's so good. It was... A very well well crafted relationship and a well crafted character in Rooster. I also love the name Rooster. Yeah, uh, his father was Goose. It makes sense. It's another. Bird. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. This whole movie. I also another scene I really. Um, so there's no spoilers here. The scene with Iceman in it when he came in and and they had the relationship between Iceman and Maverick again. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that scene as well. That was another one of my favorite scenes in the film. I believe. I thought that was beautiful, and I didn't realize until I was, you know, listening to podcasts afterwards that Val Kilmer has trouble speaking now, so he doesn't act anymore, but this movie realizes how important it would be to have the Iceman character there to speak he to Maverick. So important to have. Absolutely, it was important to have. Him. And so they made it part of the story, and it didn't feel like, oh, they just, like, it doesn't feel like Val Kilmer's oh, there. I don't know mentioning right now, Val Kilmer. Happened. Neither did I. I didn't realize until I was listening to podcasts. I just went, oh, wow, I thought that was just, like, a decision they made for the film. I didn't realize it was them working around it to get him into a movie, but it was it was perfect. It was very well done. Yeah. Incredibly well done. Which honestly, knowing it now, I wonder if I'll be even more emotional watching that scene, but him Probably. actually, yeah, him actually talking wasn't him per, like performing this strain in his voice like Val Kimmer committed to actually speaking for this part of the movie, which made him that more powerful now, right? Knowing that he has this, you know, he has trouble speaking now, like that's, that's a tough ending to that scene, and it's perfect. Yeah. The real climax of the film, at least for me, which ironically enough, isn't the moments where they're up in the air and flying and doing all this fun action, which by the way, the action is fantastic, but it has to be the climax between Rooster and Maverick and their relationship when Rooster, you know, it, it seems pretty intentionally was, dry, was flying slow. They're simulating the task they have to do later in the film, and he doesn't make it in the time frame, and so then he goes out with Maverick. Maverick's kind of pointing out to him, hey, you screwed up, you're supposed to fly at this time frame, and Rooster keeps saying, oh, well, it's the plane, it's the plane, saying that the plane's not meant to go that fast. Kind of egg and Maverick on to then say, never blame the plane, it's the pilot that's at fault. And then that's when Rooster goes, exactly. Because that's what happened to Maverick and Rooster's father, Goose. Yeah. Because at the end of the first film, they just quickly toss aside, okay, well, it was the plane's fault. It's not Maverick's. And so that's kind of really been the thing haunting Maverick for 40 years, essentially, thinking about how, well, 
it must be the plane, like, you know, uh, everybody's blaming the plane, but I know deep, deep down, he's the only one that really knows it was partially his fault. And so when Rooster pointed that out in public, that's, that, that's, man, that fucking got me. That was intense. Yeah, and also, I thought all the simulator segment was probably, probably some of my favorite stuff. It was so much fun. Stuff go. The, the different groups trying to do the, the, the simulator and then later on in the film when Maverick goes and does the simulator when he wasn't supposed to. Dude. That was some, some of my favorite action stuff in the simulator. Yeah, it's so funny that the simulator, it's just a simulation, was so fucking great because... Oh, yeah, Maverick was kicked out and then, you know, <laughs> steals a jet and does the simulation. I just love that moment where he's kind of like, you know what? We're going to make this 215. Instead of yeah. the, what was it, the 350 that uh, John Hamm was going to have them all practice? Like, come on, that's weak. They were all trying to so, do 230. They had to, yeah, they had yeah. to do it in three minutes or they're going to die, right? They, they had three minutes to get in and out. So they're practicing to do it in 230. So when they had to go to the actual one, give himself 30 minutes, seconds of wiggle room. And he did it in 215 just to prove he could fucking do it. Yeah. And no one else could even do it in the three minutes, let alone the 215. Yeah, yeah, the 230 they were trying to do, and no one could. It was nearly impossible. And so when Maverick is like, let's make a 215, and everyone in the room is going, oh, shit. Like, this guy's going to do this at 215? And you're sitting there in the audience going, holy shit, this is going to be fucking awesome. Like, it was so good. And then he does it and hits the target without the laser sight. He does that just freehand and hits the target up. Incredible. Yeah, it was fucking also, I think one thing that was really important was the one guy, the main commissioner guy, the main general, whatever his name is, yeah, he bumped it up to four minutes, right? He said, let's do, it in, let's do it in four minutes, right? Yeah. But when he did that, he wasn't planning on them coming back. Yeah. They had three minutes to do it. He knew he was sending them up to die with four minutes. And that's why when Maverick does do it successfully, he goes, you're the only one who can prove that you can do it, and you prove that you're the only one who can do it and get people back alive. He was sending them up there to die if Maverick didn't step up and do that. Yeah. Yeah, John Hamm was just ready to just let them all die. Yeah, he was sending them to their death. Yeah. And that they most definitely pointed at that. Like, that wasn't the song. No. In the movie, he was sending them to go die. Yeah, it was very clear that he, he just wanted the task done. While Maverick, obviously, considering Rooster is there, yeah. and, and, and you know, he's just, just a fucking hero. So obviously, he wants everybody to come out alive. He, he's going to do this heroically. Fuck, was it? Yeah, it was so good. And even the other characters, we don't really, like, you know, it's hard to talk about them because they're not as in-depth as Rooster they're, and they Maverick. They were all great. They are all great. I gotta say, I love, I love Hangman's helmet. Yeah. His helmet? His helmet was so cool with the two A's missing as in, like, a game of Hangman. Yeah. Fucking awesome. That, that, that was so cool. And I liked how, uh, which is very similar to the first film as well, based on their names, is their personality, and it kind of foreshadows their character arc. You know, Hangman doesn't have a whole lot, but his name is Hangman because he leaves people to die. He leaves people hanging. It's a real life thing, right? All all pilots in the Air Force and Navy have the call signs all given to them by their peers right. based on the personality traits. Right, no, no, but I'm saying it's fantastic that that's why he has the name, that he leaves people out to die and he only looks out for himself and doesn't really save anybody else. And then his character arc is yeah, at the very course. end, he saves people. Like, he doesn't leave people out to die. He goes out of his way to help yeah. them. Like, that's awesome. Like, it is just, like, such a funny name when he first says it. You're like, okay, yeah, that's just his character, right? He's very full of himself. And so even that, he's a very minor character. I think his arc is fantastic for such a minor kind of villain, you know, kind of a douchebag. Kind of replacing Iceman from the original, where Iceman yeah. was sort of the, the, the hot shot sort of rivaling Maverick in the original. 
he's sort of the hot shot head of the class. Oh, yeah. He's better than this one. And he does it very well. Yeah, no, he's definitely the Iceman, and uh, obviously Rooster is kind of the maverick for maverick. this one. Yeah, yeah, Rooster would be the maverick of this one. And so I, I think the, the ending is great. How both of them, both Maverick and Rooster, have this moment where they sacrifice themselves for each other. I, I think I think that's fantastic. Like when you, Maverick goes back, and I, I thought I th- for a second I thought he was going to kill himself when he flies his jet into the I bomb. I thought for sure he was going to die. I hundred percent thought he was going to. Yeah. It got me. I thought for sure he was dead. And at first I thought, wow, that might actually be a really, really great ending. And it would have been. But I do, been. yeah, I do love the ending that they still went with. I actually thought that, I thought it was a better call. I thought they made the good call. But either way would have been amazing. I really did think he was going to die there. So it, the sacrifice felt legit for a second. I went, oh shit, are you kidding me, Maverick? When he flies out and sacrifices himself to save Rooster, which would have been pretty poetic how, you know, he essentially killed Goose, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to look at it that way. And then in this way, he's essentially saving Goose's son, which he yeah. did, but he like, sacrificed himself for that moment. I thought it was fantastic. And then when Goose, when Rooster saves Maverick, yeah, he says, what the hell were you thinking? And he responds, "You told me not to think." Yeah, that was a great moment as well. Yeah, and it kind of becomes like a buddy cop comedy for a bit, like a little buddy comedy with these two guys in the old F fourteen, the same plans they flew in the plane. first film. Yeah. It was great. And so I think, and, that, and that's the moment when I cried, was when they're both in the F-14, they are getting chased down by these, you know, these advanced fighter jets, and he can't open the latch, right? Like, he's about to die in the same fate as his father, and Maverick keeps going, like, no, 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 he, he for a second, Maverick realizes what's about to happen, the same terrible thing that happened to him 40 years ago is he's going to lose Goose's son just like how he lost Goose. Uh, and then, obviously, they get out of it. Hangman saves them. And the mo- I, I, I cried uh, quite a bit here was when they hugged. Because that was, yeah. it really felt like he was hugging Goose. And it was, in his mind, what he wanted to happen four years ago when Goose died. It was instead, now he's now hugging his son as if Goose is right before him. And it was so beautiful. It was so, it was just so amazing and so exciting. That that that's fucking blockbusters, man. That cinema, it was awesome. That's how you do a freaking action movie. Yeah, yeah. When they hugged, it got me. It was, it was just so perfect because he looks so much like Goose, and it meant so much in that moment. I loved it. It, it was awesome. It was so great. I I think uh, Miles Teller and Tom Cruise maybe their best performances ever. And I know Whiplash is amazing, uh, but that's most like a J.K. Simmons vehicle. Sure. I think this is both their best performances ever. I, th- I think it, it might be. It, it's pretty close. I think they're both phenomenal. It was a good fucking film, not gonna lie. That was a hell of a movie, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyways, anything else you want to say about Top Gun Drist? About Top Gun? No. Uh, if you haven't seen it, um, well, let's be like, if you're watching this podcast, you, uh, let's be fun. Come on. What are you doing if you haven't? This movie's fantastic. It's most definitely worth the, the $10 ticket or whatever it is to get in. It's most definitely worth it. I saw Top Gun Maverick on Tuesday, so, you know, it's a bit cheaper. Seven bucks? Uh, well, by watch with Ultra AVX and Atmos, so it was still oh. 10 bucks and yep. 40 cents. 10 bucks and 40 cents, that was it. Wow, that's actually not bad at all. Yeah. Watching with 
an even bigger crew of friends. I'm watching with 10 people. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. I, well, I just keep talking about it. And everybody at work is like, well, fuck, I got to check this out. Well, that, really, like, like, I get like a lot of movies be like, they're not for everybody. Even like everything ever all at once. I can see where a lot of people, you know, a little convoluted. Maybe people like Yeah. But like Top Gun Maverick, this is a simple action movie. Or not a simple action movie. This is a phenomenal action movie. Yeah. But like, there's no way not everyone's going to like this movie. It's, you know. Yeah. Unless you absolutely hate action films. You can't stand it at all when there's there's scenes of of, of, of action and violence. If that's real, you're real against that, then they, um, maybe not for you. But other than that, those very few people, um, you're going to love this one. I agree. Like, I absolutely love The Northman. Not for everybody. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love The Northman. There are a lot yeah. of people who yeah. love and, it. And clearly not, right? As I already said on the podcast. So my theater didn't love it. I did. My theater didn't, yeah. so you know. But this one, I, I walked out, and there wasn't a single person that didn't look fucking stoked, and that yeah. is awesome. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to convince Andrew to watch it. She does not want to see this at all. I don't. She would like it. I know. I know. I, I I got it when I first went to see it. I thought, okay, I, I get it. Andrew doesn't really like action movies. She probably won't like it. I guess. But I walked out. I just thought Andrew's gonna fucking love this. Like this is such a beautiful film about. Essentially, fatherhood and yeah, friendship. Yeah, it was, it's yeah. so powerful. Uh, I, I imagine. I, I, I thought. I'm pretty sure she would love it, but she really refuses to check it out. But I think that's what makes this movie so great. Is I think anybody that sees it, I think there's something in it for everybody. I think it's just one of those one of those blockbusters. What well, else have you watched this week, Quentin? Uh, I also watched a movie. This might be surprising. It's a pretty good week, I guess. I saw. Three movies back to back that I have given a four point five out of five for, which you know I, I don't do super often, but it's just been a great week. Obviously, Top Gun Maverick, fucking amazing. This one's a little bit more irrelevant because it came out a few years ago and it's super niche, but it's called Thunder Road. It's on Tubi or Amazon Prime, and that movie's fucking amazing. I, I cried for that one too. I guess maybe I'm just a crier at this point. I've gotten kind of pathetic, but. That movie was great too. And then the third one that also just came out this year and is another amazing action flick that nobody knows about that is on Netflix right now called RRR. Oh, I heard of that. It's an Indian film, right? Yeah, it's an Indian film and it's awesome. It's a really good thing. Yeah. Uh, Netflix just added it this week. That's why I saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. Which is awesome how Netflix can drop a movie that just came out two months ago in India is now widespread on Netflix. Anybody can check it out. Like, that's awesome. That, yeah. This is what's great about streaming services. And did you do that at four and a half stars? Four and a half. I loved it. Yeah, I've also seen three movies uh, this, this, this week here. I'd only give one of them four and a half stars. That was Maverick. Hell yeah, baby. I, I also saw just last night. It was a Friday night. I was a little bored. Didn't really have anything else to do. The Bob's Burger movie? <laughs> yeah, how was that? Yeah, I've never seen Bob's Burgers. Neither have I. Yeah, I've never seen it. So, but I love animated movies. I've always been harking for adult animation or non-kid-focused animation. So, yeah. okay, why not go check this one out? I've got nothing better to do. So I went and I watched it last night. It was, it was pretty good. You know, it was pretty fun. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be a musical, which I really appreciated. Uh, that was oh. a surprise when they started singing. Um, it was also PG, though. I, I assumed it would be more like Family Guy sort of comedy. PG. So it was... More along the lines of like The Simpsons or something like that, I guess. More gotcha. like Family Parker. I mean, Family Guy or South Parker. I like The Simpsons movie more, for sure. You know, I really like The Simpsons movie. That's one of my favorite. I'm like, well, I don't watch... Love The Simpsons. 
I don't know, maybe I'll let, you know, and I like this movie a lot. The Simpsons movie felt a little more big and grandiose. They really pushed the limit on what they could do with the Simpsons universe and Simpsons yeah. in general. But the Simpsons movie, this one felt a little more grounded, a little more maybe just like a, a prolonged musical episode of Bob's Burgers. But a uh, very good, pretty funny throughout. I really enjoyed the characters for I've never seen the show before. And I feel like if you've seen the show or you like adult animation, uh, you'll probably really, really like this one. Um, if you don't like the show or you're not a big animation fan like myself, you could you can, you can pass one. Or at the very least, wait for it to being on Disney Plus, because you know for sure it's going to Disney Plus probably within a month here. So, you know. Good, but, 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 but don't rush out and go watch it. Rush out and watch Maverick instead. The third movie I watched this week, Clinton, was a... Um, I didn't see it in theaters, but it is back in theaters, and that is Morbius. <laughs> Have you seen that one yet? No, I haven't. Oh, boy. So they actually... Uh, so Morbius itself was a, um, wasn't very good. It was... It was just like a super, super generic origin story. I thought, it was be, I thought it was gonna be weirder and wackier than it was, or at least confusing and creative. It was just a, the most generic origin story you can think. Like a paint by numbers. Here's the origin story of a of a of a hero. Um, here's the villain. They have the same powers because it's an origin story, so of course they have the same powers. Nice. Uh, and then they fight at the end. It was it was a very very generic, but. Uh, due to all the memes and, and jokery and, and tomfoolery online, they re-released it in theaters this past weekend. You're yep. about that, right? They yes. put it in a thousand theaters. All right. <laughs> Overall, this past weekend, it made eighty-three thousand dollars in theater. It had an average gross of like eighty-two dollars a theater. Yeah. Well, to be fair, it made because uh, I this was one of the stories I had. It made eighty-three thousand dollars on Friday. In total, it made two hundred and seventy thousand for the entire week. Which is still insanely terrible. It, it did worse than Fantastic Beasts 3 did. Yeah. Which has been in theaters this whole time. And it's currently on HBO Max. So <laughs> that's still the better than Morbius did. Uh, the internet fooled Sony into re-releasing this film and get, to just lose more money than they made. I'm sure. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way they made money off this re-release. They lost money on it. It was not worth it. Yeah, two hundred and seventy dollars. Sorry, two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. It made for an entire week in over a thousand theaters. So yeah, they they made about two hundred and fifty bucks a theater. And like you know, how many screens they had. That's the whole weekend though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, theater, yeah, the entire week. Bringing in about like seventy five bucks. <laughs> like no money at all. Yeah. So it was astronomically terrible, which is so funny to look at the comparison between Morbius and Top Gun Maverick, uh, the two polar opposites, really, of like Maverick did insanely well on its second week. Morbius brought it back for a meme because it's so bad and it still did terrible. Like that's that, that's the story you want to hear. Re-releasing it was like a disconnect between cultural online Internet culture and jokes and a, um, what people actually want to watch in real life, what people actually care about, real pop culture, zeitgeist, you know, those are two very different and distinct things that just because something's real popular online does not mean anybody has any actual interest in that property, that character, or that film in the real world. And this is a textbook example. Of have you, you haven't seen more movies you said, right? No. I'll eventually see it, but I, think, I, I know for a fact I'm going to hate it. It just looks terrible. That's the thing. And I remember when it first got reared, I saw someone tweet out saying, a lot of people are going to go watch Morbius this weekend thinking it's going to be so bad it's good. But they're going to be really disappointed when they realize it's just so bad it's bad. And that's yeah. really what it was. 
Because it wasn't like goofy bad or anything. It was just boring and dull bad. It was just, I know what's happening before the movie happens. Kind of. It wasn't good. I don't care for Jared Leto. I never really have. Um, he doesn't say it's Mormon time one. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, if it really was just like memeing and just absolutely brutal, like just like kind of like almost borderline comedy of just how cringy everything is, then it would be entertaining. But it just it does just it just looks dreadfully boring. It it doesn't look great. Yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't a particular. Does Sony make good movies? Like besides Spider Man into the Spider Verse, have they done anything noteworthy in the last three years? Like is Sony? Yeah, Michelle vs. Machines. Their animation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Their animation is really good. I forgot Mitchell vs. Machines because that is really good. I love yeah. that movie. I feel like oh, we. Yeah. Great film. I feel like I uh, seem like the downer on it on the 2021 podcast, but I fucking love that film. That, that's a yeah, good movie. If you're looking for a great animated movie, yeah, it's on Netflix. Go check it out. It's fantastic. Yeah, but let me look this up. I'm, I I feel like there's like a franchise I'm forgetting that's pretty good that Sony makes. And I just I gotta remember. There probably is, but from I know, is Sony maybe like the worst studio of the major ones? Oh, they made Uncharted. And yeah, Ghost of Tashville, which I know you love. Uh, oh, Jumanji, those were their, that was their, you know they had another big franchise besides Spider-Man? It was a Jumanji franchise, which are fine, they're not bad. Yeah, you haven't convinced me yet, Tristan, you haven't named a good movie yet. Uh, open season. Okay, yeah, okay, they, they, they got nothing, alright, that's what I thought, okay. Whoa, bro, 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 they got Surf's Up. That's what you talking about. <laughs> dude, dude, that Bloodshot movie with Vin Diesel that came out just- Oh my god. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, honestly, but I actually didn't really realize how bad Sony was until you mentioned this. I'm looking, I'm looking through these, and there, there is like not a good one. I have, you are right. This is an abysmal. Yeah. Oh, Ghostbusters! Ghostbusters is there. Like way back in the eighties, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the, yeah, we're heading back to the digging too far. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they've made a single good movie in the last, like, ten years, I'm except for Spider-Verse. Films. I, I might yeah. be able to find, like, a, you know... A, yeah, I'm sure they maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess Blockbuster. I, I, okay, I hit the, the John... So I typed in Sony movies, right? And there's a whole bunch of, all, like, the newest ones. You can hit, like, new action comedy, mm-hmm. different tags. I hit the drama tag, right? And the movies that are popping up here are the Jaden Smith Karate Kid, uh, Morbius, <laughs> uh, Spider-Man, the original Sam Raimi trilogy all popped up. Oh, yeah. Father Stu, that new... Um, mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg film popped up. These are their drama films. This is as dramatic as they get. Yeah, the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. The, the peak drama. Has Sony ever won an Oscar besides this animated film? Like, what, what Oscar have they ever won besides this? Any other movie? Acting, special features, sound, whatever. Anything besides Spider-Man winning best animated film. Have they won any other Oscars? Uh, based on all the movies you said, I don't think so. Most Sony movie Oscars. They've won 37 Academy Awards. Oh, they made The Father. Oh, now I'm getting some better movies here. They made The Father, Call Me By Your Name, Whiplash, Midnight in Paris. Oh, they made Whiplash? Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, wow. Crouch Tiger's really great. Okay. Yeah, okay. I guess we just went to the snoozer so, section. Yeah. Sony Pictures Classics. I think that's the studio that makes the bangs. Like, the, the dramas. And like yeah. The yeah, okay. Um, and then Sony Pictures Animation is makes the ones out. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, cuz you know, obviously we were just talking about Whiplash briefly during uh Top Gun. Yeah. yeah. That's an absolute thing. Great film. Yeah, Matrix or sorry, uh the uh the Whiplash. Too. Call me by your name. Didn't care for that. 
I like it. I wouldn't say I, I love it. The pedophilia aspect of it. He was like triple his age. Yeah. Well, you know, it definitely hasn't aged well now that Army Hammer's kind of canceled. So. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. Probably not the best film now. But yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll flash, yeah. yeah. So I, I take it back. They haven't made a good movie in the last like five years. I, I forgot what Flash made a good movie this decade. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Yeah, that's a good way to work. the animation departments. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty much Sony for you. It is funny that Morbius, like, astronomically terrible. It's, yeah, it's it, hilarious. It was, it's just not a good movie. I don't know who, and also it's like, I've never really heard of Morbius before. I don't, like, and I'm pretty well-versed in comic knowledge. I'm not a super big comic book nerd, but I have a fairly decent understanding of comic book and comic book characters and stuff, and I've never really heard of Morbius. I don't know if there's a lot of Morbius fans arcing for a Morbius movie. I don't really think anyone is asking for this movie to me. If we stick with, with movies, Quentin, but there have been a lot of television shit come out this past, just the past, like, two weeks. Like, a new season for Stranger Things just came out, a new season for The Boys just came out, the, the long-awaited Obi-Wan Kenobi show just came out. I have been catching up on any of the, the, the small-screen uh, favorites that have recently come out. Yeah, I saw one episode of The Boys. That's it? That's it. Okay, because I've seen all three episodes of Kenobi, two episodes of The Boys, and one episode of Stranger Things. So uh, I'm a little behind, especially on Stranger Things, there's like seven episodes out now. And they're all over an hour long, which is just way too much happening. Yeah. But I will get around to watching them. I guess there's not much to discuss since you haven't seen any of them. It's been a, a, good, a, good, a good few weeks, a great few weeks for movies, and also a great few... TV. There's so much great stuff on. There's just so much to watch, and it all seems to be super high quality content that most people who have seen it seem to be raving about. So it's a, a great time to, to sit at home and do nothing. Well, I'm all caught up on Better Call Saul. You didn't ask about that show, Tristan. Oh, right. Well, that one just ended, right? I see. I, I, don't, I haven't seen Better Call. Yeah, so that, that's the, that was the show I was busy watching. Uh, and I've been watching Amazing Race with Andrea. So, you know, that's, a, that's, I feel like I've been watching a lot of TV. I guess just not the stuff everyone's talking about. No, no, yeah. I guess not. But Better Call Saul is awesome. A great show. Yeah, I really want to watch that one. I catch up. Yeah, so I just saw the mid-season finale of, like, the final, so the final season, similar to Breaking Bad, they have, like, they, like, broke the final season up they into two parts. They do that a lot of shows now. A lot of shows have like it's kind of lame. Yeah. Ozark did it. Stranger Things is doing it this season. I get it, but you know, it makes a little more sense for like Ozark and Stranger Things, where they're Netflix shows, so they dump half the season and then wait a couple weeks and dump the other half of the season. For shows like Better Call Saul, that has one episode a week, and then they just stop for several weeks and then continue for one episode a week. That feels a little weirder. Yeah, I think the reason why I don't mind it for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is since it's the final season they break it in half so you watch the first half and the ending of the last episode of that first half is just so buzzing like everybody online is now talking about this insane ending we're now quickly at like a neck break pace here trying to figure out okay what the fuck's gonna happen in these last few episodes and then in like a month and a half we're then gonna find out like you know, Breaking Bad was obviously when Hank discovered that, you know, who Heisenberg was, right? Was when he was sitting in the toilet, and that was the last scene of the first part of that season. You know, Better Call Saul is a pretty similar moment. And so I, I think it works in a way that 
it really fucking builds up anticipation now. Like, instead of waiting one week to then instantly know what's going to happen, we have like a month to just sit here and just go, holy shit, this is, these last few episodes are going to be amazing. And so I think that is kind of what they're going for. It works pretty well, especially because they only do it once in the entire you know, yeah, series. Yeah, I think that every season it would be a yeah. lot more Every season it would be, it would, yeah, it would feel pretty pointless. But it, it, it works really well. Like, man. Oh, it was so good. Uh, it, it's a good. It's a good show. I like it. I'll probably watch Stranger Things. I saw the first two seasons and then I just stopped caring. Uh, maybe I'll revisit them all. Someday. I enjoy the show. Of the three right now, um, the th- I've mean, only seen one episode of Stranger Things. It's a tough comparison. I am liking Obi Wan and, and the boys better for sure. Mm-hmm. Boys probably being my favorite, and then I don't know, maybe Obi Wan. Obi Wan's been really, I'm really liking Obi Wan. Really? Okay. Because I will never watch Obi Wan. So I guess oh. you can say whatever you want, Tristan, because I don't care. Oh, uh, I I'm, I'm not watching any of Disney Plus's shows. I don't care about them. I Except- watch most of them. I, 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 the Star Wars stuff has been consistently way better than the Marvel. No That's true. That's true. Yeah, I was going to say the only one I will watch is if they do Mandalorian Season 3, which I'm. Sure, they already announced yeah, they are. It is confirmed. It's coming out this, this, uh, this winter here. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that. Has yeah. Consistently been better than them. The Marvel shows have been very. I've been looping all of them. Whereas yes. a uh, Book of Boba Fett was, was pretty good, but not phenomenal. Mandalorian is very good, and Obi Wan has been very Mandalorian's amazing. Yeah. That's the only one I'll watch. I guess it's unfair because I haven't seen the rest. I saw. It, it, it's only six episodes, Obi Wan. Uh, You've already seen the movies before and after it, so like, you, there's nothing catching up before yet. I would for sure watch it then if you've seen Mandalorian. This one, it's very because I've heard that I've heard a lot of mixed reactions to Obi Wan. I've heard it's not that great. So I now I think the one that. big thing to note here is I enjoy Star. Wars. I consider myself a casual Star Wars fan. I've watched all the live action stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the the movies, and and I've seen even the animated movie, but none of the the, the television show, the animated stuff. I, I've seen all the live action shows. And I very much enjoy this one. I, maybe it's because the uh, ignorance is bliss and I'm not super in-depth in the continuity of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, like, like all these, like, what, this character didn't do that in this original segment? It was supposed to be this character or whatever. Like, I, I don't care, right? I just enjoy people with lightsabers and invisible forces and cool aliens on screen, right? Like, that's what I'm there. And so I know a lot of people have gotten really mad uh, about how they handled a couple of the characters. Because they, they didn't make them powerful and cool enough. I, like, I thought they were powerful. And there's this one character. I think her name's Vera is her name. Uh, she's also known as like, the third sister, uh, I guess her nickname. And she's played by a black woman. And they, uh, a lot of Star Wars fans are not happy about that. Um, even though she's been probably my favorite part of the entire show. And they show that I like a lot of the parts. I thought she was cool. When I finished watching those episodes, I was like, man, she must be everyone's favorite character. She is insanely cool. She has stolen the show, and she's not even on screen that much. And I went online, and boy, was I freaking. People apparently hate her, and I do not know why. I can't, well, I sort of know why. I don't want to spoil it for you and for people listening, because it's a major spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah, something that she does, apparently, she shouldn't do or shouldn't be able to do. I don't know. I thought it was badass as shit. Um, but everyone got real up in arms. But, uh, they got real freaking mad. I watched it. I was like, holy shit. That was fantastic. And they, uh, Everyone else disagreed, I guess. That's we funny. also have a, uh, a little Princess Leia, a young Princess Leia, and she is absolutely brilliant. She is fantastic. Uh, the, the young actress they have for her crushes the role as a young Princess Leia. She is like a little Princess Leia. She's wow. fantastic. 
Give me um, a little excited here. Yeah, I've heard nothing but bad things. So this is no, sounds good. I hate. Like I said, I am a casual fan. This is checking all the boxes for me personally. I've been having a great time. That was awesome. Yeah, I guess that's the thing with Star Wars. It's kind of the opposite of Marvel, where Marvel could literally make like the most mediocre garbage, and Marvel fans are just like, "This is cinema, baby." God, oh it's man, so true. You, it's you, so I, good. Why have we never thought of that before? You you read such a good yeah. Point? They, they absolutely That's love hard. it. And then Star Wars, it, the, the bigger of a fan you are, you just fucking hate everything new that comes out of it. You're like, oh my god, they ruined the lore of Chewbacca. This is insane. I think that largely has to do the fact that Star Wars is mostly nostalgia-based. Yeah. A lot of big nostalgia, you know, big Star Wars fans love it because they grew up with either the original trilogy or their totally original trilogy when they were young and they prequel trilogy. You know, a lot of people love it because it's all nostalgia-based. So whenever you start doing things that you shouldn't be doing or changing things that shouldn't be changed. You are wrecking their childhood and destroying the franchise that they love. Whereas Marvel fans, this is a new franchise, right? Unless you are a child right now, you probably don't have childhood nostalgia for, for, for the Marvel MCU, at least. Maybe, you know, the comic books and whatnot, but that's very different. And so here, anytime, any, they can take a little, like a little shit on the floor and the Marvel fans suck their dick for it. They love it. Like it's, you know, Marvel fans are insane. Uh, but Star Wars fans are, are even worse. Yeah, because uh, they just paint everything. You can you can make a very good television show, like Obi Wan Kenobi has been, and people just shit on it for no reason. Yeah, no matter what they do, they're going to get criticized. And, and well, that's a good point. Hate it. Yeah. No matter what they do, it's funny because the only reason why I just stopped watching Disney Plus shows is because I kept hearing everybody go, "Oh, Loki is so good! I love this show!" And I was like, yeah. "Well, fuck! I kind of like Loki. Okay, I'll check it out." And I hated. It. I thought that was so boring. I thought it was so it was, pointless. Yeah. It was painfully terrible. Like I just did not like it in the slightest. It was so boring, and they're at like a DMV the whole. Time. Yeah, it was like, like it was just like a shitty office building. Yeah. I want them to explore the multiverse. Also, speak. Uh, and speaking of which, actually, I don't know if you knew this, Tristan. Did you know that the Daniels were gonna do the Loki show? See, that would have been phenomenal. So Loki oh was God. yeah. So the Daniels were supposed to do the Loki show, but they turned it down finally got some money to make their movie Everything Everywhere All at Once that they've been wanting to do for years. So they finally got the greenlit for that, and so they turned it down because they were busy finishing it up, actually, I believe. Oh, shit, that's huge. So it's kind of funny. They, like, they turned down a Marvel show, which, they you know... Really, I, I, yeah. I watched that interview with, the one, uh, with, that, with him in it, and they, uh, he, they really don't seem like they care about going for, like, the big money or big blockbusters. Yeah. You know, they just kind of want to make the movies they want to make. I love that. I love how it really does get that vibe of... They don't care if they make money or not. They don't care if people watch their stuff over and over in these big theaters and say, oh, wow, their Marvel product was amazing or their Star Wars project was so great. Like, they don't care if they're part of this big franchise so millions of people watch it. The people that watch their stuff are the people they want to watch. Like, you know, they, they just want to make the movies they want to make. And if anybody likes it, that's fucking great. Uh, they're glad people like it. But, like, they're not going to, like, bend to the medium. Like, they're just going to make what they want. Uh, yeah, it's great. Like, their films are so out there, especially Swiss Army Man. Uh, it's great that they just, they, they make what they want to make. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I love that. But yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm excited for anything they make at this point. Yeah, anything they make, I'm, I'm watching it opening week. I, I, I just think they'll be so much fun. But I, I do think it's funny that they were initially going to do Loki, which is essentially a multiverse show, uh, yeah. and they and they turned it down. Uh, to be fair, I doubt it would have been much better. I'm sure Disney would have still made sure it was painfully boring. But yeah, Loki was just not my show. Is it weird that Falcon and Winter Soldier is my favorite of all the Marvel shows? Oh my like? gosh, that's crazy! And like easily, like it's like it's, in my mind, I was like, yeah, it's the best one. It just is. Yeah. But I would still put it 
I'll put it on par with Book of Boba Fett, which is easily my least favorite of the Star Wars show. Wow. Okay. I guess Star Wars. Uh, no, I did really like Book of Boba Fett. I just felt they um, there, I had a lot. I personally had some problems with the game. Yeah. Yeah, so because everyone said Loki was so great, uh, now whenever there's a new project going on, people are saying it's okay or bad. I just assume, oh wow, it must be terrible if uh, the people that liked Loki don't like oh, this. If, if a Marvel show or movie comes out with mixed reviews, you know it's going to be a real stinker. Because uh, Marvel fans are insane. So even if it was mildly good, they'll be over the moon for it. Anytime you see any reviews on a Star Wars show, take it with a heavy green assault. People are going to hate it no matter what. Yeah, which is why I still, uh, you know, which is why uh, as big of a fan as I am of films, Tristan, I still have not seen Doctor Strange. It's been like o- over a month now. Uh, yeah, and that was one that was a uh, lukewarm reception. Yeah, it wasn't a very good movie. It was, it, just, it had its moments that I enjoyed. Yeah, um, there were parts that you could see Sam Raimi's creative style really coming through, uh, but there were few and far between. And, and overall premise, I just don't think Doctor Strange is a leading man. I don't think it's Benedict Cumberbatch's fault. I don't know. I just felt, for what I think, he doesn't strike me as a leading man. He always seems better in, like, a, uh, in ensemble films or in, like, a, you know, a smaller role like he was in, in Spider-Man. Him as the lead, I'm not sold on. I don't think he's an interesting enough character to carry a movie. Yeah. I, well, they just announced that this movie, Doctor Strange, could be dropping on Disney Plus within this month. So that's exciting that, you know, I'll see it in a yeah. few weeks now for yeah. free. But, Whereas, you know. Scarlet Witch should have been the lead because she can absolutely help. Scarlet Witch is a character that could be the lead. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a great character. It's, it's, like that that's a great actress. super powerful character, but do it right. She was. I like I like Scarlet Witch quite. A bit. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll wait till I see Doctor Strange too. But I always thought the first Doctor Strange was a bit of a snoozer. I vividly remember when watching Infinity War. I just went wait. This guy's awesome. Like, wait, how come? Well, yeah. I don't remember his movie being good. But yeah, he is really good. Maybe in a group setting. I, I think he's is at his absolute worst in No Way Home. He's, he's, he's an absolute idiot in that movie. But uh, yeah, movies like Infinity War is good. I the writing for a lot of that more. So one thing, I think Benedict Cumberbatch plays a character well. I think he was, he's a great doctor. Yeah, he's um, a good actor. I, I just think the character itself isn't super interesting enough to help by himself. And uh, yeah, also that's also the thing. In order to make the plots and stuff interesting, they have to make him not all-knowing. He can't just close his eyes and meditate and see the future a billion times and find an yeah. answer every time. Because it's boring. So either A, you just make the character stupid, because why wouldn't he be doing that? That's clearly the smarter move to do. If you can see the future, check the future. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you have those powers, use them. Why are you not? Or it's just really simplistic and he, he does it. In the- so that's why I don't think he's a very, very good lead character. Yeah, the more powerful, yeah. yeah, the more powerful the superhero, the more boring of a film character they are. Unless you have to have to have some sort of edge, like Scarlet Witch, where she's largely corrupted by her own power, right? You know, what I mean? like, yeah. like she has a uh, stakes to it, where at any moment she could snap and kill everyone, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. Like, like there, there, there are stakes there. There's more than just a green rock is their kryptonite, and they can't, they can't fight. They got to just Yeah. Well, to be fair. Uh, I- I guess I haven't seen my fair share of uh, Scarlet Witch. <laughs> she seems kind of vanilla herself, you know. I haven't seen One Division or Doctor Strange too, but you know, I don't. Yeah, think you know, it's one of it's Doctor Strange. Yeah. Prior to then, she has been a real side. Yeah, but but she's very minor. Aside from those two projects, so that's probably why yeah. you know, in my mind, she's kind of just a side character that doesn't do a whole lot. But 
She made really all I know about her is uh, she has a romantic interest in Vision. That's all I know. Yeah, that's but a, then you know what happened with Vision, right? Uh, after Endgame, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, I guess Infinity War, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know what happened to my boy Vision. I like that guy. And that's sort of the crux for everything that happens with her since those movies, right? Yeah. In WandaVision. Makes sense. And in uh, Doctor Strange 2, the fact that she was forced to kill the one thing she loves. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, uh, we can quickly, I just wanted to touch on two projects that are coming out soon that, uh, you know, one of them wasn't just announced, but there's a bit of an update here. One of them was just announced. I'm sure you've heard of this, Tristan. Weenie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah, uh, so first and foremost, uh, it sounds like a great idea. The fact that <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is now public domain and uh, making a horror movie where it's Winnie the Pooh killing people sounds great. But uh, the fact that the horror movie, at least from the stills we see, just people in Winnie the Pooh costumes killing people is fucking stupid. I don't care. <laughs> I want Winnie the Pooh out there killing people. Not some jackass in a Winnie the Pooh costume. How lame is that? Yeah. But then, you know, uh, would a little horror movie have the budget to make, like, a full CGI bear the whole time? It might be a little unrealistic. So, I'll take whatever I can get. It sounds clear. It has to be a little, uh, a small budget. Like, why can't, like, big, why is Sony doing this? You know, it's public domain. Anybody can do this. Sony can't. Sony's, you know. Well, Sony can't do it anyways, because they can't make a good movie. Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be good. (laughs) <laughs> I just want Winnie the Pooh slaughter. Yeah, I don't need this to be another Morbius. I'm okay with just this being some campy movie from some low budget Why is film. Why like A24 or Blumhouse? Blumhouse could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't an A24 film, but this is a Blumhouse film for this, sure. Yeah, right. This is a Blumhouse production yeah. right all over. And they could do it justice. They, would they could. It. They could do it they justice. They low budget, but they make it look good. Well, I bet you Blumhouse right now is looking at this announcement and just going, fuck, why do we think of this? Right now, awesome rolling for public domain going, well, it's going to be you. Yeah. What do they got? <laughs> yeah. Is that old enough yet? Yeah. Uh, we need the poo. I think that's awesome. I, I think this is the kind of remakes we should have, where it's just absolutely insane. Just complete ludicrous. Yeah, 100%. Like, I do, I need, yeah. do I need to see a live-action Lion King? No. Do I need no. to see, like, would I like it more if it was, like, Simba eating everybody? Yeah, no, that sounds like my kind of thing. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, I think this is awesome. And the name Blood and Honey, like, it, it makes me know that this movie's going to be very aware of what it is. And that's, that's oh. awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. That will definitely be a Quentin pick for the uh, 2024 ranking whenever we get to that movie. But the, uh, the other movie that I wanted to quickly talk about, and we kind of briefly discussed the MCU, in particular the Spider-Man films, with our boy John Watts, who was supposed to direct the new Fantastic Four film. He just stepped down a few weeks ago, and they've announced they want a big director for this one, Tristan. John Watts, not a big director? Uh well well John Watts stepped down so now they're looking for a big director to take. Well, why did he step down? Uh, he says he just wants to take a break from directing superhero films, or maybe he's just taking a break until he does Spider Man Four. I'm not too sure. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, which honestly was the best decision ever because I fucking hate John Watts as a director. So I can't wait till we get someone better. Wait, what Spider Man movie did he did? I thought he said he did Spider Verse. Oh, no, no, no. He did the three MCU Spider-Man films, Homecoming, Far From Home, and No uh, Way Home. Anyone who directed No Way, I mean, uh, 
Spider-Verse has, has no Oh, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> no, no, if he did Spider-Verse, you know, the direction of that is fucking awesome. That movie's great. Well, and yeah, it was very well-crafted. Yeah. Mostly on the director. And, yeah, uh, I, I thought John Watts was the one that did the, the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. But those are the only movies of his I think I've seen. Yeah, and I'm not even saying those movies are bad, because obviously I love Spider-Man Homecoming. I just think his directing style is so bland and, like, almost essentially non-existent like there's no style to these movies they're just they're so vanilla and it's so it is enough to tell if that's on him or just on the mc right exactly no i agree and most films from the mcu have the same bland style to make it fit in this chronological universe which makes sense so it is kind of hard to really pinpoint when it's direct the director's fault or not i'm just saying since the Fantastic Four is also under the MCU umbrella, if John Watts was going to direct it, it would have been so boring. So I'm kind of glad that, you know, we might, if yeah. if we get another big director, they want, they, they said, which is surprising based off of a bit of, a bit of heat that Sam Raimi got for Doctor Strange 2. They want another Sam Raimi to take care of this. They want someone that will have some kind of style to this, like a director that is unique. That's what you call, they do need more stylistic. I agree. No, I, I think it's awesome. Given that they, but the thing is, you can't just hire a big director to make a movie. You right. have to hire a big director and let them make that big director's Marvel movie. You yeah. know what I mean? You can't just hire a big director then hold them back the whole time. But I, it feels to me like that happened with Sam Raimi. In this. You, you know what I mean? You can, you can feel where the producers... Uh, to be fair, they'll never not do that. I think Sam Raimi's... I haven't seen the film, but from what I've heard, it's essentially... The best case scenario you're going to get. Well, like, there's a bit of style if you like look at it and you can like appreciate the style to an extent. It is one of the most interesting Marvel. Yeah, Yeah. I will give it that. Plot wise, it is one of the very right. That that, that, style, the style of yeah, Doctor Strange two. It was it was pretty good. It was it was there. It it, it was just plot wise. I've seen I've seen the trailers. It definitely has more of a flair than most of their other movies. And so if they're leaning towards that way for Fantastic Four, it's a good sign. Who do you think they uh, might be leaning towards here, Tristan? Let me think. Who do you think they're going to go? I don't know. Are there rumors about? No, no, no. There's absolutely no rumors. This was just announced a few days ago that they yeah, are... I was yeah. this on, on Twitter either yesterday yeah. or today. Yeah. Feige wants uh, a big director to take care of it. And by big, he says he wants another Sam Raimi. So it's going to be somebody in yeah. that same field as Raimi. Like, a, like an actual, maybe not quite a household name like Spielberg and, and a, um, Scorsese, but like a, a name that movie buffs know, or a name that you and I, you know, like a, a decent. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I got one. Okay. So let me first kind of explain to you why this is my thinking here. But Sam Raimi was a great pick for superhero film for the MCU because he himself has made superhero films in the 2000s obviously he made the first spider-man trilogy which has a great style to it it's beloved it has a big fan base so right away raimi already has this distinct style from a previous superhero franchise to helm this film so what if disney and the mcu went the exact same route what if they went to a director that has a very distinct style that is that has a large fan base why don't they get Zack Snyder to do the Fantastic Four? Oh, that is a very good idea. That was not the... Uh, yeah. But I like that a lot. So obviously, by big director, it's not like 
Tarantino or Martin Scorsese, but it's in the same big as in it has a cult following like the Raimi fans. He has made superhero films before that have a distinct style to it. Obviously, it's going to be watered down in the MCU bubble. But I think that style, especially as we saw with fan four stick or whatever people call it, like that kind of went for like a gray, gritty look, which is kind of similar to Snyder. Why doesn't Snyder literally just make a better version of that and put it into the MCU? Uh, you know? I yeah, I feel like fan four stick. I don't know who direct that, but they were very clearly, I feel like, going for Zack Snyder's style when yeah. they made that movie. Um, but I think almost certainly Zack Snyder could make a better Fantastic Four movie than that. Uh, if he really, really tried, he might be able to make a work than that. If he wanted to make a work one, that would be a challenge. Uh, without trying too hard, he could probably make a better. Uh, but I like Zack Snyder a lot uh, for Fantastic Four. I think that's a good, a, a good pick. I, I actually had the one I was thinking of. Right, someone else who 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 has a uh, a style. I w- I would say. Well, actually, so. Dream pick, and this has never happened. This has right. never, never, never happened. But just like someone who, who if given this franchise and free reign, would, would give us a phenomenal movie, Denny Villeneuve. All right, Denny Villeneuve, <laughs> total creative control, Fantastic Four. After seeing what he did with Dune, he'll come back with a master. I guarantee it. Right. That's never happening, but I think that would be fantastic. A more practical AM option, someone who, who, who recently has a lot more free time on their hands, someone who's helmed major block office box office franchises before our boy Justin Lin most notably just recently left a Fast X, the newest Fast and Furious movie. Should have a free schedule here. I think he would do pretty good with, with, with the Fantastic Four. It'll be more, uh, not like the gritty sort of fan stick style. It'll be more like the original Fantastic Four movies than I grew up. A little campier, a little more action-packed, a little flashier, brighter colors, that kind of stuff. I think you'd have a really fun interpretation of the Fantastic Four. That's what I'm looking for, the Fantastic Four movie. I don't need anything grandiose, epic, and serious, but something fun, goofy, entertaining. And I, I think he would, he would deliver. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. That is a pretty big director, especially with uh, the Fast and Furious films doing so well. And the fact that he is no longer part of that franchise... You're right. Uh, he's kind. He might be looking for a new project, and that would fit pretty well for him. Yeah, I, th- I think that might be a good pick there. You know, I'm. I love Denis Villeneuve as much as the next guy. In fact, I fucking am obsessed with that guy. I fucking love him so much. But you know, I don't know if I need to uh, see him make a Fantastic Four film. He's got. He's just so great. I'd rather him just work on other projects than like. like that's you fair. Know. You know what? That's fair. I'd rather see him work on other. Yeah. Projects. So I actually, yeah, I want to say I'd rather Snyder or Lynn work on this. I because, think Lynn would do a really good Yeah, I, I think Lynn would actually be the best pick. I think he would be pretty solid for it. I do think that's interesting that Feige said that they're looking for someone like Sam Raimi again. It's good. I was a little worried that because of the heat that Chloe Zhao got and the heat that Sam Raimi's film has gotten, like the two Marvel films that have some distinct style are getting hate and movies like John wants no way home is getting praise. Like I was a little worried that they were just going to get rid of any style in their movies and just go back to like the same, you know, uh, format that they've had for the last 10 years. But it's good that Feige does seem I to agree. realize. And although yeah. I, I don't really care for doctrines Two or eternals too, right. too much stylistically speaking, easily some of the most interesting Marvel. I think they both just need to work on plot and their pacing more. Yeah, <laughs> it can't just be style. We we need we need the movie to move along. We need, we need stuff happening. 
And I, I think Justin Lin uh, would do a great job of that. I think Fantastic Four, it'll obviously be more of an origin story, so interesting story being told than with Eternal. Or it's a very well-known story being told with Eternals and with, with Doctor Strange 2. So I think that inherently will make it easier to, to focus more on the style and the flashiness of the film, knowing that you already have your basis cover on plot and character development. Mm-hmm. Not pre-written, but at least pre-established. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I haven't seen Doctor Strange 2. I'm interested to check it out as soon as it's online. But in regards to Eternals, I think it's like in my top three MCU films visually. Like just the look of the movie oh, is yeah. so great. Yeah, oh, it, it looks really awesome. Not, yeah. So I'm oh, yeah. glad that they are kind of trying things. So as long as if Feige's aware that, you know, they need to make these films feel unique each time instead of following... You know, everyone says they have a formula. Instead of just following this preconceived formula, I, yeah. I'm excited. So I'm glad they're looking for a big director. I hope they find him. Yeah. And I do think Kevin Foggy is a very intelligent. He's very he good. Definitely knows what he's doing. He's absolutely crushing. He's probably one of the most successful, not the most successful producer of all time right now. I agree. After kicking ass at the MCU for you know what, 10, 15 years now. But mm-hmm. a, uh, he's right. He is absolutely right. If he wants the franchise to continue going for another five, ten, another fifteen years. They need to shake it up stylistically. And the best way to do that is bringing in pre-established directors that know what they're doing, that are confident with their style and their skill set, and that are respected by the audience and by the people that they're working with, and give them control of the film while maintaining creative control of the plot and the characters. That is probably, for Disney and for Kevin Foggy, the best way to move this franchise forward. Even if the first couple attempts at it had some bumps in the road, you can't give up on it because... If they do give up on it and they go back to the same style, I don't think people are sitting around for another 10 to 15 minutes with a I just don't. Really, if the MCU gets Zack Snyder for an MCU movie, is that oh essentially is that the nail in the coffin for the DCEU? Like, isn't that an entire DCEU just thriving off of the Snyder fans just no, oh, every no, week? The DCEU. <laughs> not involved with that. And he has yeah. been for a while now, except for the Snyder Cup, because fans were crazy about it. Um, yeah. But if so, if so, they will add a, a relatively small number-wise, but a very loud, a very passionate <laughs> fan base to the MCU that are more fervent than even current MCU fans. You know, even crazier, more fanatic. So yeah, they will be. And if you think right now the, the dick riding is hard on the MCU, just wait until snack Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zack Snyder's Fantastic Four is going to be the most hype film ever because you have... Not one, Tristan, but two insane fan bases. The MCU fans and the Snyder fans. It, it is a movie of the ages. Yeah. Disney would re-release the uh, Fantastic Four based on how much Twitter buzz what that they movie should would be, get. though, If they want to make it really interesting, just want to blow Twitter up in an afternoon, if they, if they have Zack Snyder directed Fantastic Four but announce that Daisy Ridley will be playing the Invisible Woman, you will pissed. Snyder fans and MCU fans against the Star Wars fan. You will see a Twitter civil war that we haven't seen. Yeah. And they will be fighting Morbius. Oh, man. If they get Morbius in there somehow, get Jared Leto on. Jared Leto. That's Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Snyder has a bit of, uh, you know, he's had history with Leto, so there's, there's, there's a chance. Wait, really? Well, he, you know, he directed Jared Leto as Joker in, uh, in Zack Snyder's oh. Justice League. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Right, because he, yeah, I'm like, he didn't. Well, I was saving the but right. He, he was in that for like, like 30 seconds at the end. 
30 seconds. I think it was for like 20 minutes, Tristan, but the movie's four hours long. It only felt like 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. Well, it was the directing style was so good. It felt like a Yeah, it, it really yeah, felt like a breeze I in the air. I more Jared Leto Joker on my screen. Yeah, it was quite a treat. So, you know, a lot of fun movie news this week. It's been a great week. Anything else on your interest? No, it's everything. All right, well, have a fantastic week, guys. Go check out Top Gun Maverick if you haven't already. And uh, we'll see you guys later.